Come on, thanks, Pastor James. My little princess, Christiana. She's staying out late tonight. Going to party with us. Man, it's great to be able to uh, share the word with you guys tonight. There's a, a message that God has been stirring in my heart. Um, kind of going along the same theme as the series that we've been in on Crossing Rivers, which, uh, of course, is a play on the album that uh, Tehila Music launched. How many guys have downloaded that album? Yeah, it is awesome, guys. If you haven't gotten Tehila Music's new album, Crossing Rivers, I would encourage you to go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever else. You can go to get it and get it because it will bless your life. But uh, we've heard some incredible messages over the last couple of weeks about crossing rivers, about crossing into the destiny that God has on our lives, the purpose. How many enjoyed last week? Yeah, I heard there was the five by five, some amazing speakers on purpose and destiny that God has for us. And tonight I want to kind of go along the same lines as, as, uh, as what we've been looking at so far. But I think that sometimes in life, when we look at crossing rivers or going forward in the destiny that God has for our lives and the vision that God has for our lives, we can put our focus so easily on the destination. And we can miss out on what God has for us in the journey. And sometimes I think the reality is, is that God has something special in, in store for us in the journey towards the destination. But we get impatient and we pull the pin and walk away because we're not comfortable with the way that it's going. It's like Cody was saying uh, already when he was talking about it, it's a dangerous thing to say, have your way. Because when we say have your way to God, oftentimes it doesn't look like the way that we picture things will go. And we're so eager to get to that destination. I've got not just one beautiful child, but I've got four. Everybody say four. So it's busy. And just like every kid before them, on a ride, no matter it seems where we go or how long the ride is, as soon as we jump in the car... You know where this is going. The kids say, Daddy, are we there yet? Daddy, how much longer until we get there? And to be honest, it doesn't really bug me when it's a a 10-minute drive to the soccer field or or a 20-minute or 15-minute drive to church because I can simply say, just a couple minutes, we're almost there. But when we jump in our minivan, I love my minivan, when we jump in our Honda Odyssey minivan and we jump in and we take a road trip to BC, it's a 10-hour drive. And it never fails that shortly after we get on the road, every few minutes or every 20 minutes or so, one of the kids will say, Daddy, are we there yet? Daddy, how much longer? And when it's a long trip, when it's eight, nine, ten hours, that can get to be a bit much. And it started to bother me because here we are on this journey to BC, driving through the beautiful Rocky Mountains, hello, and Glacier National Park. And all these kids want to do is get to the destination. And I understand that they're strapped in. They can't go anywhere. Maybe they want to watch something on my iPad or whatever. But my encouragement to them was, how about you just look out the window and enjoy the journey? And so my answer to them became simply this. Uh, Christiana, my sweet little princess, would oftentimes say, Daddy, are we there yet? Right, babe? And so I started to say this. I'd be like, yeah, we're there. And she kind of looked at me puzzled. And be like, we were there, but now we're here. 
And we were here, but now we're there. We're not really there there yet. But if you have a little bit of patience and enjoy the journey, we will get there soon. See, here's the thing, friends, that God wants us to embrace the journey because really all we ever are is there. We're never really there there. I know that God wants us to have dreams and visions and a place for a picture for where he wants us to go in our lives. But really what God wants us to do is allow him to work when we're here. So that when we're here, we have the character to stand when we're there. And he wants to develop the character, the Christ-likeness. As Christians, we are supposed to be Christ-like. But what is it that takes us to a place of being there rather than just being stuck here? Trials, difficulties, the storms of life. I'm facing one of those storms in my life right now where things are difficult. It's hard to see God in the midst of it, but what he's doing is developing this solid foundation, this anchor that no matter what I see, no matter what I experience, no matter what I feel, I am anchored in the goodness of God and I trust that he will see me through the storm. So tonight I want to talk to you about going through the storm. We're going to look at a story in Matthew chapter 14. If you've got a Bible, you can flip it open. If you don't, I believe we'll have it up on the, on the screen. Just to set a bit of a, a background to this, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, you read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with two little fish and five loaves. And there were saying 5,000 people, but some scholars say maybe there was 10,000 with the women and the children. And these people were with Jesus all day. And Jesus did this amazing miracle. He just turned this little lunch into enough to feed the multitudes. And we pick it up. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and it says this. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Well, he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was all alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, and do not be afraid. Father, as we look to your word tonight, I pray, God, that you would speak to us in the midst of the storms of life that some of us are facing right now. God, maybe we're here tonight and we feel overwhelmed by the waves of depression. Maybe we're here and we feel stuck in the middle of the sea of sin. I pray, God, that you would speak to us and set us free and take our eyes off of our circumstances and may we fix our eyes on the Savior. May we fix our eyes on you. Open your word to us. We ask you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice in this story that it's Jesus who sent them out to the waters. 
And you know, Jesus, we know this, but Jesus is God. And I would submit to you tonight that being God, being empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit, fully man, fully God, Jesus, we know from Scripture, he knew things that were happening in the future before they ever happened. He knew who, that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. He knew the thoughts of the Pharisees before they ever left their lips when they were just in their minds. He knew the way and the time in which he was going to die. And so I would submit to you tonight that Jesus knew that the disciples out on the water were going to face a storm. Jesus didn't stop them from going out. He's actually the one that sent them out on the journey. And the journey had a destination. He wanted them to get to the other side. But he wasn't threatened by the storm that was going to come. And in verse 24, we read that the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. That word contrary. It literally means against or opposition. And its root word, the root word of contrary, is the word adversary. Now, how many know that we have an adversary? That you've got an enemy who is seeking to take you out, to take you off of the purpose and plan that God has for your life. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter writes this to the Christians. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Now he is not a lion. There is only one lion whose roar echoes through the generations. It's the lion of Judah. But he has always tried to be like God. And he's trying to make himself out to be greater than he actually is. We don't need to fear Satan. But Paul is writing or Peter is writing to the Christians. And he's saying be aware. That when you step into the purposes and plans, when you step into the direction that God has for your life, there's an adversary who is roaring, who's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And his answer is simple. He says, resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. He's like, you're not alone. In this life, we face difficulties. In this life, we face trials. In this life, we face tragedy. In this life, we're not alone when we face them. It says, resist them steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us according to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. I want to tell you tonight that even though the adversary or difficulty or trials or suffering may come your way in this life, God's desire through those trials, if you resist the devil and be steadfast in the faith, knowing that God is faithful to see you through, that he is good, that his plans for you are good, that he will not lead you to something that you can't handle, that he will empower you and strengthen you in the midst of your trial, and he will develop the character within you. If you hold on to that, God will develop a character that will sustain you into the days ahead and the question is not will we face it it's 
when we face it and when we do face trials, when we do face storms in life, how will we respond? See, I believe that God brings us through these tough times in order to purify us. Not that he authors tragedy, not that he brings these sickness or he brings, brings these things, but he will not waste any circumstance and he will bring himself glory if we keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Yesterday, my little girl, Christiana, I'm going to brag on her for a minute. She came up to me. We went out into the cul-de-sac after church to go for a bike ride. And she came up to me and she said, she said, hey, daddy. She said, God just spoke something to me and I feel like I need to share it with you. I'm like, awesome, share it. And she said, you know, I feel like when we don't put our trust in Jesus, we're like little bubbles that can easily be popped. And she said, but when we put our trust in Jesus... We're like a big bubble that can't be popped. Come on. And one more story. About half an hour later, she comes up to me and she says, Daddy, where's the Bibles? I've got a bunch of Bibles in the house and Gospel of John's that we give away. I'm like, well, they're right here, babe. What do you need? And she goes, little Isabel just accepted Jesus into her heart. Our little neighborhood kid, and she used this story. She's, she told her the story about the bubbles, and she said, Izzy, do you know Jesus? And she's like, who's Jesus? And she told who, her who Jesus was, and she says, do you want to accept him in your heart? And Izzy says, yes, I want to accept Jesus in my heart. So now Christiana wants to give her a Bible. Come on, man. But Jesus... Sends his disciples not away from the storm, but he actually sends them into the storm. So he's not threatened by our storm. And the question is, how will we respond? I could picture his 12 disciples getting into that boat and things start out smooth. And they're going in the direction that Jesus actually told them to go. How many know sometimes when we step out and we start to go in the direction that we feel like God is leading us and directing us, sometimes it starts out really smooth. But somewhere in the middle of it, we find ourselves in this crazy storm and, and maybe, maybe Peter in the boat is like, hey man, what's going on here? Why didn't Jesus come with us? Where is he? Or maybe Judas, maybe Judas is saying, I didn't sign up for this, man. Let's go back. Maybe they're ready to pull the pin saying, you know, where is he when we need him most? He seems to be silent. He's not even with us. I wonder if you've ever been in a circumstance or a situation in your life that has caused you to question the goodness of God or caused you to question the presence of God in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your circumstance saying, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Why would you lead me to this when it's so difficult? It's so hard. How can I trust that you're with me? And God will use these circumstances to develop our character. And the reality is when difficulties in this life come, I've seen it happen before. Well, it'll either cause one of two reactions on our part. We either pull the pin and we say, God, I didn't sign up for this. This is too hard. And we go back to the old life. 
that seem to be better or more comfortable. Or we actually start to press into God and allow the trials, allow the tribulations, allow the difficulties to uh, push us towards a place where we know God in a way that we would never know Him. If we didn't go through the difficulties... We want to run from the difficulties. We want to run from the pain. But sometimes God allows the pain in our life so that we can experience Him as the healer. So that we can experience Him as the comforter. So that we can experience Him as the Prince of Peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos. And Jesus isn't worried about the storms when they arise in our lives. He's not threatened by them. And actually, he tells his disciples when he shows up finally on the waters and they're freaked out. He's like, be of good cheer. It's me. He's like, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of the storm, have joy because the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Have you ever noticed when you, uh, maybe Friday or Saturday, you feel depression or you feel discouraged or maybe it's Monday morning or whatever it is, but as soon as you pop on that voyage worship music or that Tehillah worship music and you start to lift your hands and lift your eyes above your circumstance, focus on the God who's got your back, who's got you in the palm of his hand, something begins to break, something begins to lift off of you. Jesus isn't threatened by the storms that we face in life. And this actually isn't the first time that his disciples faced a storm. If we flip back a couple of pages and a couple of chapters before Matthew chapter 8, Jesus actually was in the boat when the storm arose. Verse 23 of Matthew chapter 8 says, now he got into a boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. He's the one that created the waves and the wind and the sea. And he's not threatened by them. He can sleep in perfect peace in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our difficulties, and he wants to give us that same peace. Verse 26, he says to them, after they woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're dying. And he said to them, he said, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. I believe that some of you tonight, you're going to leave this place with a great calm in your heart and in your spirit. Not that your circumstance will change, but the presence and the power of God is going to overtake you and sustain you and keep you and comfort you in the midst of your trial and your circumstance and your storm. Verse 27, he says this to them. He says, so the men marveled. It says, so the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? The first time that they faced the storm, Jesus was present with them in the boat. The second time they faced the storm, Jesus was present with them in a different way. Can you see the process of discipleship? Can you see the process of God developing, Jesus developing character in his followers? The first time he was with them tangibly in the boat, they could feel, they could touch him. The second time in Matthew chapter 14, where was Jesus? The Bible says that he went up to the mountain to pray. 
Now, if you've read the scriptures before, you would know that right now Jesus is actually at the right hand of the Father doing what? He's interceding for the saints. And could it be, could it be that when Jesus went up to the mountaintop, in the Gospel of John chapter 6, it actually says that they were three or four miles out. And could it be that Jesus, when he was on the mountaintop, he actually saw the storm come in. And he was up there not praying for his own needs or his own desires or his own wants, but he was praying for the faith of Peter not to fail. He was praying for doubting Thomas to hold on to the anchor of faith that he had and who he knew Jesus to be. He was praying for you and for me that in the midst of our storms, he's interceding on our behalf saying, you got to trust me. I've been with you through it before. I'll be with you again. You maybe felt me before in a tangible, physical way, but this time you got to know that without, no matter what you feel, no matter what you feel, you anchor yourself in the goodness of God that he will be faithful to you in the midst of your storm. He will see you through. Jesus was up on the mountain praying for them, it says. And it says that he never came to them. In the Gospel of John, we read that he never came to them to the fourth watch of the night. He came to them in the fourth watch of the night. That's about 3 a.m. And that's about the darkest point of the evening. That's the darkest point at night. And Jesus waited to come to them until it was darkest, until it seemed like it was almost over, like they were finished. And why? Why did he wait to come to them? Because it's through the testing that our faith in God is strengthened to be proven to be the real deal. It's easy to worship God when things are going good. It's easy to lift our hands and worship God when everything is all peachy. But what are you going to do when the difficulties and the storms of life arise? My father-in-law, a few months ago, got diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. He was just moved into hospice last Friday. We're coming to the probably close of his life here on this earth. And there was this moment early on when he was declining. His health was declining very quickly. He's a pastor. He's been a pastor for 30 years. They just lost lost their youth pastor to cancer three years ago. He's been at the same church all this time. So here this church is going through it again with their senior pastor. You know, he was praying to God and he was on his knees and he was like, God, don't let me fail you. When things get difficult, please, Lord, help me to hold on to you. And God very quickly stopped him in the midst of that prayer and spoke to him. He said, Neil, it's not about you holding on to me. It's about me holding on to you. And the only reason you have something to hold on to is because I'm holding on to you. And I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never fail you. But in the midst of our struggles, God will use it to strengthen us. Listen to what Peter says in chapter 1, verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. 
This is so opposite of what our flesh wants to do. But it says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, to honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus. So maybe you're here tonight and you're facing a storm in your life. I want to encourage you to take heart. Jesus will see you through to the other side. In Romans chapter 5 verse 3. It says this, and not only that, but we glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Friends, no matter what you're facing in this world, no matter what waves seem to be overtaking you, you can anchor yourself in the love that was poured out by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And maybe you're here tonight and you're questioning, does God really love me? Sometimes when we go through difficulties in life, that question comes up. Hello, maybe it's just me. We're like, if God really loved me, why would he let me go through this? Why would this be happening? Why does it seem like things are falling apart? But whenever God wants to speak to us about his love, he always points us to the cross of Jesus Christ. For there is no greater love that anybody can have than to lay down his life. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus forever settled it. He laid down his life for you and for me. And if you allow Jesus to fill you with his love and anchor you in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your difficulty, he will fill you with his love and he will sustain you through to the end. Tonight, I believe that for some of you, Jesus is throwing you a lifeline. You might be out there in the middle of that storm and you feel like you're drowning. You feel like the waves of difficulty and pain and circumstances are overtaking you. Maybe you're at a crisis of faith. Maybe you're here tonight and things seem to be going the opposite way that you pictured for your life. I want to challenge you and encourage you tonight that if you would take your eyes off of your circumstance and fix your eyes on Jesus, he might, in the midst of the storm, he might actually call you to step out of the boat. When he showed up on the scene, if we read through this scripture, the disciples were were, were panicking, they were freaking out. Jesus shows up, they think he's a ghost. And there's one guy who when Jesus says, be of good cheer, it's me. Peter says to him, he says, if that's you, Lord, tell me to come and I'll come. And you know, in the midst of the storm, Jesus didn't calm the waves. The the waves were still raging around him. And God sets, Jesus sets Peter's trajectory in a totally different way. And in the midst of a difficulty, in the midst of a storm, the greatest miracle took place. Because Peter got his eyes off of the circumstance and onto the Savior. 
And he said, if that's you, tell me to come and I will come. Now, the safest place, even in the midst of that storm, was for Peter to stay seated on the boat. But he didn't. One word from Jesus. One word totally changed that circumstance for Peter. Jesus looks at Peter on the, on the, the waves. Jesus is standing there and he says, come. And Peter gets up. He fixed his eyes on Jesus and he steps out onto the water. And he begins to walk on top of the storm. I believe that tonight for some of you, and I'm going to invite the worship team back up. If you're going through a difficulty, if you're going through a storm in your life, God is going to bring you and raise you up so that you would fix your eyes on Jesus and get your eyes off of your circumstance so that you can actually walk on top of the storm. That you can walk on top of the difficulties. Not that it will totally go away or that your circumstance will change, but there will be this incredible peace knowing that Jesus has your back. And I know that Sometimes when people look at this story, they focus on the fact that when, when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. He began to sink. Yeah, he be, it's in the Bible. He began to sink in the storm again. But you know what the cool thing is? Jesus didn't pick Peter up and carry him to the boat. He picked him up and shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, he walked beside him back to the boat and the storm stopped. And so tonight as we lift up our circumstances to God, as we ask God to give us eyes that would see above our circumstances as we're going through the storm, I believe that God wants to take you from a place of sinking in the middle of the storm to sensing His presence and His peace and His strength and everything that He has for you to move you into the direction that He has for you that you wouldn't, we wouldn't call it quits. That you wouldn't pull the pin That you wouldn't just sit down and give up. But you would stand up in the midst of your storm. And put your eyes on Jesus trusting that he's brought you through storms before. He'll bring you through storms again. I don't know about you, but this is difficult for me. Again, I love how God moves and things flow together. When Cody was saying... Pain is difficult. And I don't think that God is the author of pain in our lives, but He allows us to go through these difficulties so that He can work to become somebody in our hearts and in our spirits that we would never know Him to be. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 8, when they were in the storm and Jesus calmed and rebuked the winds and the, and the sea, they said, who could this be? Who could this be that even the wind obeys Him? But the second time, when they went through the storm, it ends like this in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 14. Peter walks on water and they come back to the boat and the, the winds cease. And verse 33 says this. Now then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. See, now they knew him in a way that they didn't know him before. The first storm, they were questioning, who could this be? 
And after the second storm and Jesus comes to them in the midst of it, they're like, truly, you are the son of God. We surrender. So I want you to stand to your feet tonight. And if you're here tonight and you're going through something difficult in your life, maybe there's a sickness in your family. Maybe you're just having a hard time hearing God, what direction to take with your life. Maybe it's a relationship breakup or a difficult time. Maybe it's depression. Actually, that was one of the things that as I was praying today, I just really felt like God wanted to break off the waves of depression that keep coming over some of you. They keep coming and you feel like no matter what you do, you can't break free from it. But tonight, God is going to lift you up out of that storm of depression and give you the opportunity to see Jesus above your circumstance. So if that's you tonight, I want you to lift your hands in worship. And in your heart, submit to God and acknowledge that truly He is the one and the only Savior. Father, I pray for every person in this place tonight. I pray for those that are going through difficulties. I pray, God, for those that are going through struggles. I pray for those that are in the midst of a storm right now, God. Father, I pray that you would lift them up out of the storm and cause the wind and the waves to cease and you would bring your peace, you would bring your strength, you would bring your comfort, you would bring yourself into the equation in a way that they didn't know you before. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Amen and amen.